USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. President Trump is about to attend a weekly Senate Republican luncheon at the Capitol to discuss his administration's ongoing response to the coronavirus outbreak. He continues to push hard for governors to keep loosening stay-at-home restrictions. The U.S. death rate has now surpassed 90,000 from the virus. Meanwhile, Treasury Chief Steve Mnuchin defending the disbursement of stimulus dollars in the CARES Act at a virtual hearing this morning. He bristles at this question from Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown. How many workers will die if we send people back to work without the protections they need, Mr. Secretary? Mr. Senator, we don't intend to send anybody back to work without the protections. At another hearing, Fed Chief Jerome Powell says the U.S. is in the middle of an economic crisis worse than any recession since World War II, but says the Fed will do everything it can to deal with the ongoing crisis. And this is USA Radio News. Are you still under stay-at-home orders trying to figure out what to do with your free time even after the lockdown is over? Then why not try World of Warships? You can command a massive naval fleet featuring some of history's most iconic war vessels and unlock new ships as you prepare to dominate the ocean. Each ship is accurate to the original. Each battle will make you feel like you were there. Each week, there's something new to experience with new missions, game updates, and events to keep you and your friends engaged for hours on end. To play for free, go to worldofwarships.com and use the invite code BOOM. BOOM gets players started with two cruisers, one American and one German. Check it out at worldofwarships.com today. And remember, use the invite code BOOM, worldofwarships.com. Invite code BOOM. President Trump disclosing to reporters yesterday at a briefing that he's been taking the anti-malaria drug hydroxychloroquine as a preventative measure against COVID-19, even though it's not FDA approved for such use. I've taken it for about a week and a half now, and uh, I'm still here. The president's revelation not sitting well with Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She says it's not a good idea, telling CNN she doesn't want the president to take something that has not been scientifically proven to treat coronavirus, especially in his age and weight group. The National Weather Service saying the center of Tropical Storm Arthur is now moving away from North Carolina, though parts of the islands known as the Outer Banks are still expected to get some tropical storm-like winds through the rest of the day. And the highest sustained winds at last check with the storm were about 60 miles an hour. Find us online anytime. We're at usaradio.com. This is USA Radio News. At the American Veterinary Medical Association annual convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health. One Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some infections in animals. There's more valuable information at avma.org. The state of Missouri is set to put an inmate to death today for the murder of his former landlord nearly 30 years ago. A federal appeals court lifting a stay of execution for 64-year-old Walter Barton yesterday. He was tried four times for the murder of the 81-year-old landlord and was most recently found guilty in 2006. Governor Mike Parson was asked yesterday if he would intervene and said the execution will move forward as scheduled. 
April's housing starts show how badly the coronavirus is damaging the U.S. economy. Starts came in at an annualized rate of 891,000. A little better than analysts had forecast, but more than 30% below the rate for March. Classic TV fans still mourning the passing of the actor behind Eddie Haskell. But not everyone knows what he did for a living years later. Gee, Mrs. Cleaver, your hair looks nice. Leave it to Beaver actor Ken Osmond died at 76 on Monday at his Los Angeles home. He'd become a child actor at age nine, landing the role of Eddie Haskell, the good boy, bad boy in Beaver's neighborhood. Morning, Mrs. Cleaver. That's a very pretty dress. But when the show ended, he found himself a victim of typecasting and switched from acting to become a Los Angeles police officer for 19 years. He was shot five times during one encounter, his bulletproof vest feeling the impact of all but one of the bullets. The last one struck his belt buckle and he survived. For USA Radio News, I'm Chris Barnes. If you or a loved one is suffering from a physical or emotional condition that has left you unable to work, then listen carefully. Take this number down, 800-593-7491. That's 800-593-7491. When you call, you'll speak with a Social Security disability expert and get a free evaluation to see if you may qualify for disability insurance benefits from the U.S. government. That's right, a monthly cash payment paid directly to you from the Social Security Administration. Whether you're applying for the first time or you've already been denied disability benefits, call now. The disability attorneys at Pinnacle Disability can help you build your case, file an appeal, and represent you at no upfront cost to you. Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now. Rick Tittle. going on thank you so much and welcome to another live edition of titillating sports with rick tittle and uh it's great to have you with us wherever you are listening coast to coast and around the world i don't know if we have the mic on back in the studio oh wait there it goes had an echo there for a little bit and uh as i said you know we're all i mean i got dominic jimenez the fabulous dom he's back in the studios in san francisco i am rick tittle i'm here in my home on the other side of the bay Trying to bring you a little sports talk entertainment as we uh, muddle through whatever we're going through right now. Rick, it's called a global pandemic. All right, well, I guess that's what it's called. But uh, let's talk some football, basketball, baseball, hockey, center golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, put a troller ball, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket, that type of stuff. And we'll get together at the toll-free line, 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. That'll get you in and get you heard by your fellow Americans, as this show, as I mentioned, goes all over the dang place. Would it be heard in South Dakota? Yes, it's heard in South Dakota. Even up there in Canada, eh? An affiliate in St. Catharines. 
St. Catharines. That sounds like a very... How could you uh, not be very posh if you were from St. Catharines? You know that? It's just... Uh, it's up there in the uh, Niagara uh, region. It's a... Uh, uh, it's one of these suburbs of uh, Toronto. But wherever you are, Appleton, Wisconsin, you got one of our affiliates up there. How about down there in Las Vegas, Nevada, the great KSHP? We're here to talk sports with you, and you may participate. Uh, 1-800-878-PLAY. Tune in app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, stuff like that. It's Tuesday. We'll talk sailing. Today, Karen Lyle says she wants to interview me. So I'm going to put on my eye patch and put a parrot on my shoulder, get a peg leg, and get ready to walk the plank with her. Um, and uh, your calls, one 800 play Big shout-out to our troops listening on American Forces Radio Network. I'm Rick Tittle. We got three hours together, so come on back. We are the Debt Destroyer Network. Any debt you have, credit card, tax, student loan debt, Call now for free information that helps you destroy your debt. It's great advice. Plus, when you make this free call now, we have debt destroyer experts ready to help. They can show you how to destroy your debt and get your life back on track. Debt problems don't have to be overwhelming. You can live stress-free and debt-free. Credit cards, medical bills, IRS tax problems, even student loan debt. Learn about free programs offered by the credit card companies, hospitals, and even the government that can help slash your debt. Call the Debt Destroyer now for free information. Call now. 877-360-0402. 877-360-0402. That's 877-360-0402. Imagine this is your money and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. They want your money. And guess what? They can legally take it. All of it if they want. Remember, they sent you that letter that said, hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're going to take it from you. So what do you do? Fight back by letting our team of experts at the tax helpline work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. And we're good at what we do. When you hire us, you get a team of guys on your side that know the IRS laws and will fight to save your money. So if you owe the IRS a ton of cash and you want to keep it, call right now and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. 800-932-1749. 800-932-1749. That's 800-932-1749. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your 
your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 800-754-4531. 800-754-4531. That's 800-754-4531. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful, genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful, titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a key so handsome, he's a genius. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you uh, with us. Uh, our buddy Christopher Kane is going to be dropping in with Karen Lyle in the next segment, and then uh, the sailing will uh, take over at uh, that point for the rest of hour one. We've got uh, Bruce Marshall, our <clears throat> good buddy, who uh, will join us at um, 1040. 1040, good buddy. Talk about what's going on in the world of Le Okay. Justin Willman, if you've watched Magic for Humans on Netflix, He's going to join us at 11.10. And uh, yesterday, when I had zero guests for three hours, um, I put in a call to my old friend uh, Michael Urban, the baseball writer who I've done many, many radio shows with over the years. And um, I said, uh, I just you know, wondered how he was doing. Have you caught up with any old friends? I hope you haven't texted any exes. All my texted live in exes. I hope you haven't done that. I know that's what people are saying as people are reaching out and go, remember me? Do you care? How come you haven't asked? Aren't you curious about how I'm doing? <laughs> but I just threw it out to uh, Mike. I'm like, uh, you want to come on the show? And he's like, oh, how about tomorrow? I go, okay, let's do tomorrow. Um, so we'll uh, talk to Michael Urban at 1140 and uh, get his update on where things are at at uh, baseball and uh, such things uh, as that. But <clears throat> Fallout 76 uh, is a good game, but Fallout continues from the last dance. And uh, Jerry Reinsdorf piped up a couple of times yesterday because as little as Michael Jordan wanted to hear it, Jerry Reinsdorf had a number of what some people will say were valid reasons for breaking up the three-time world championship 1998 Chicago Bulls, right? Um, not doing so would have created the most expensive roster in NBA history. Well, fans don't care about that. They would have been worth it. Maybe they were too old and they wouldn't have been equipped for another championship. Aha. But one of the reasons that they didn't talk about was Jordan himself. <clears throat> because Reinsdorf was on ESPN and he said that Jordan was not healthy during the 98-99 season. And the reason, you might remember, is the incident with the cigar cutter that took place during the off-season lockout. And Reinsdorf said, quote, the thing nobody wants to remember, during lockout, Michael was screwing around with a cigar cutter and he cut his finger. He couldn't have played that year. He had to have surgery on the finger. So even if we 
could have brought everybody back, it wouldn't have made any sense, end quote. That's the kind of thing, like, maybe if he knew he was going to play, he wouldn't have had the cigar cutter. But, okay, fair enough, Reinsdorf. Um, look, he took more than half of all of Chicago's shots. And if you think about his injury and aging roster, he thinks they can't come back to another title. And Reinsdorf continued, quote, the fact is it's pretty obvious in 1998 that Michael carried this team. These guys were gassed. He could not have come back because of the cut finger. But even if he could have come back, the other players were going to get offers that were way in excess of what they were worth. He's talking about guys like Rodman and Longley and even Kerr. But Jordan made it perfectly clear that he thought that the Bulls could have won a seventh championship. He said, maybe we couldn't have, but I think we could have. And it's maddening that we didn't try. We should have tried. Um, in his mind, it would have been simple enough to just bring everybody back. Uh, as I said, if you have Pippen and Jordan, you have a great chance. And then if you throw in Rodman, you have a tremendous chance. So we don't know if he would have had the cigar cutter going on or not. But another thing that Reinsdorf talked about was Jerry Krause. Because Jerry Krause uh, was so teased and so maligned. And look, he's not media friendly. Um, if you listen to him talk, he seems like a very smart guy. He seems like he knows the things to say to the press, um, except for the fact that he was hell-bent on getting rid of Phil Jackson. Hell-bent. That was his thing. He was the guy who brought him in, and he couldn't wait to get him out, and he brought in Tim Floyd. Um, and so, you know, the players didn't like him. Now, not everybody can look like Rob Palenka, who looks like um, Rob Lowe. Would have been different? Would he have gotten more respect? Rob Palenka, who was a big college basketball star uh, and is good-looking, would that matter? I think it would have. Krause had about as much athletic ability as my behind, and, you know, he was not uh, anybody's idea of a gap model. And th should that matter? Of course not, but it, it's cold-blooded. But when you talk about athletes and bullies and alpha males, and you look around the room, I mean, Judd Bushler stunk, but Judd Bushler is an Adonis compared to Jerry Krause, and so Krause was very easy pickings. And so he's a guy who comes off very villainized uh, in this stadium. He comes off as egomaniacal at times. Look, the guy wanted to win, and he won. You can say, well, I would have won with Jordan. <clears throat> and yeah, that's true. But Reinsdorf, in the same interview on ESPN, he's with Ramona Shelburne, he said years later, when Phil was coaching the Lakers and they were coming to Phoenix, I'd have lunch with him. At one of those lunches, he said, I'd really like to bury the hatchet with Jerry, and he asked me to be the middleman. But he said Krauss rejected the offer when Reinsdorf reached out for him, and Reinsdorf considered it an act of pride. He said, I would tell Jerry, get over it, to get over it already. But Jerry was a lover scorned. He was so proud of the fact that he had found Phil in the CBA and he turned out to be a brilliant coach. Then when he felt that Phil turned on him, he was not going to like Phil again. End quote. And Krauss couldn't get over his treatment 
at the hands of Jordan and Pippin. Both had a number of axes to grind with him. Uh, Jordan <clears throat> questioning his moves. Uh, he hated the trade uh, Oakley for Cartwright. Pippin was perpetually angry about the below market value contract that he himself signed. And Krauss thought that Jackson could have been an, what, an intermediary in those relationships, but he chose not to be. Reinsdorf said, quote, he thought that Phil could have stopped Michael and Scotty from being so adversarial. Phil could have stepped in. He could have stopped it, and it really bothered Jerry. And quote. Well, this is what I'll say to that. There's a difference between management and staff. And the old, I guess it's racist to say now, but um, too many um, chiefs and not enough braves. You know, you you have to draw the line on whether you're with management or you're with the players. And that's hard sometimes. I remember during the baseball strike, the first one in 81, when uh, they went to um, Bob Boone and they said, are you with the players or are you with management? And he said, if Mr. Kaufman tells me to get a broom, I'm going to start sweeping. So that kind of tells you where, where he lied in that. But I would say it is not Phil Jackson's job. It is not the head coach's job to create management and player harmony. And especially when you think about how agents meddle and get involved as well. You just kind of cross your fingers and hope it's okay. And I'm sure Phil Jackson, I don't know the guy. I've never even interviewed the guy. But I'm sure had uh, Pippen gone up to him and asked for counsel, just said, you know, what do you think I should do with this? Do you think you could talk to Jerry? Phil's not going to say, I just coach. He would have helped. So anyway, Jerry Krause, he didn't want anything to do with Phil Jackson. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll do a little sailing on the other side on Sports Byline. Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans? Then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments, and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. If you have $10,000 or more and at least two federal student loans and currently not in school, you may qualify for one of these programs. Call now to check your eligibility. Student loan advisors are standing by to help you determine if you qualify for these new programs. They can help you reduce your interest, lower your payment, and even forgive a portion of your student loan debt. Take control of your financial future. Make this free five-minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan debt. 800-439-7851-800-439-7851-800-439-7851-800-439-7851. I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever. Hey, look, I, I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I, I just want to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help. 
People who have felt your pain, they know what you're going through. This has to stop. I I'm losing everything. Everyone. You've been strong your whole life. You can do this, but you have to reach out for help. It's time. I can do this. Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment. Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. Matthew. Huh? It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating. Well, 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 thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. And um, we do not have Christopher Kane or Karen Lyle just yet, I understand. So <clears throat> when we get them, we'll, uh, we'll throw them on the air. Um, some other interesting news from the uh, – oh, no, they're not on this segment. Okay. That's interesting. I got an email that Christopher Kane would be on at 9.25 today. I guess that email was incorrect. All right. Then we're going to have Karen in the next segment. How about that? All right. Um, <clears throat> we're going to uh, – we'll do that next segment. Interesting news in the NBA about – it's funny. They say Donald Sterling was more racist than we even thought. He was. <laughs> How it's like this Johnny Carson bit. How racist was he? It's like, well, um, <laughs> it's like, well, he said uh, he said the N word way more than you ever thought. No, that's not it. He also hated Laotians and he hated Bulgarians. No, sorry, I'm just trying to have fun with this. Apparently. Um, not just uh, the V. Stiviano thing where he said you can uh, bring black guys or you can get down with black guys in the bedroom but don't bring them to the game. And then he got really mad that she took a picture with Magic Johnson. And then, of course, the team was sold to Steve Ballmer, ripped out of his hands, $2 billion. 
And uh, he also <clears throat> apparently was very racist against white people. And when Elgin Baylor, the former GM of the Clippers and great player himself, he sued Donald Sterling. He alleged that the owner had a southern plantation view for his franchise. And in the original lawsuit, Baylor said that the plantation-style structure was for a pervasive and ongoing racist attitude during contract negotiations with Danny Manning. Danny Manning out of Kansas, who played in the late 80s. He said the lawsuit also quoted Sterling as telling Manning's agent, I'm offering you a lot of money for a poor black kid. And then Baylor alleged Sterling wanted to be the Clippers of composed, uh, composed of poor black boys from the South and a white head coach. <clears throat> Which is not surprising to anybody. Uh, Tom Tolbert tells a story about when he played for the Clippers, he was at some event and Donald Sterling said, hey, come over here. And Sterling was talking to his friends and he grabbed Tolbert by the waist, goes, look at him. I think he can play against black guys. I think he's tough enough. And Tolbert had to just sit there and grit his teeth. But in other words, Sterling did not want white players on his roster. He wanted them to look like a bunch of slaves and white people were not slaves. Yikes. And that vision came into <clears throat> conflict, if you like, uh, in 2013, because in June of that year, he made a decision not only to sign Doc Rivers as his head coach, but he also gave up a first-round pick for the privilege. And then when Rivers came in as head coach, he also made him GM. So that move was seemingly in conflict with the Southern Plantation ideas. And then Rivers pushed them <clears throat> even further along than they, anybody ever thought. But Rivers, um, as GM, wanted to trade his backup point guard, Eric Bledsoe, for Karan Butler, or um, and Karan Butler to the Suns. And then the Suns were going to send picks to Milwaukee who would send two players to L.A. The first was Jared Dudley. That posed no issues as he was black. The second was a kid named J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick was going to join the Clippers on a sign-and-trade that would pay him $27 million for four years. The only problem, as explained to Ernie Johnson on hashtag NBA Together, is Strong did not want a white player, and he had to threaten to quit to push the deal through. So this is the um, story as transcribed here. Quote, I think he was going to sign with Minnesota. I literally talked J.J. out of it. Come play with me. Come play with the Clippers and Chris Paul and DJ and Blake. You'd be a great fit. This, the free agent signing is done. J.J. agrees. I jump on a plane. I fly back to Orlando. And I get a call from Andy Roser. And he says, the deal's off. I say, what do you mean the deal's off? Donald Sterling doesn't like white players. I said, excuse me? Donald Sterling said, no. I said, well, we've already agreed. I'm in the garage at the Orlando airport, Ernie. I get a call from Coach K, who is upset because of J.J. I get a call from J.J.'s agent. I think it was Arn Tellum, 
who's screaming at me. And so I call Donald Sterling, and I think this was three weeks to a month into the job, and I'm not sure, but right in that area, me and Donald are having a conversation. I made a screaming, cussing argument with Doc's then coach, Pat Riley, years before, look meek. So at the very end of the conversation, I quit. I said, well, I quit. And then Sterling said, you're not going to quit. I quit. You're not going to quit. I said, I'm not going to let you ruin my reputation. Not going to happen. It will never happen. And Donald goes in, oh, just trust me. I have this great reputation around the league. And I was screaming, no, I have the reputation around the league. You don't. I will not coach another day if this deal doesn't go through. I hang up, and I remember going home and telling Chris Paul, I don't think I have a job. Three hours later, I get a call from Andy Roser, who says, hey, man, deal's done. Donald's all in. Didn't say why. Didn't say anything. He just changed his mind, end quote. Now, <clears throat> Reddick has spoken about this incident on several occasions. Um, he revealed years ago that he heard multiple versions of this story from Sterling's end about Sterling just didn't want white players. And he said what he really didn't want was a white bench player making $27 million. So Reddick said, I've been told both ways. One, they didn't want to spend because I was white. And the other one was because he thought I stunk. So uh, on Monday, he revealed on Twitter that he didn't even know that this was happening at the time. His agents weren't answering calls 48 hours after the agreement. That's one thing as an agent. What happened with this trade? Did it go through? Leave a message and we'll call you back. Like Seinfeld said, do you have to say leave a message at the beep? I think we know by now. But <clears throat> his distaste for white players was pretty clear. Um, if you think about bringing in uh, Hito Turkoglu and Sasa Vujovic, you could say, well, those guys were Slavic. You know, Blake Griffin was half white. Ooh. Danny Ferry was number two overall. Chris Kamen was number six overall. Kamen was the last white guy on the Clippers at that point, and that guy was super white with the blonde hair. So once again, this is another feather in the cap of Sterling, and you could say it's racism, but this is the way I'll say it, and I, I probably shouldn't even say this out loud, but um, I remember Dr. Harry Edwards saying most white guys in the NBA shouldn't even have high tops on. He said, they're, he said, I can find you five black guys playing pickup basketball right now that are better than a lot of the white guys in the NBA. And I do think it's racism. And I think Steve Nash got two MVPs because of racism, because they, people just wanted to pick a white guy. You were picking him as MVP when Kobe and Shaq were playing, which is a joke. Not saying he's not a good player. He's a great player. But he's not the most valuable player. Look what he does for the Suns. He makes everyone more valuable. Those are all just whitey arguments. And when, when my team drafts a white guy, I myself think, oh, man, a white guy. He's probably going to suck. You know, Mike Dunleavy, Troy Murphy. That's what I think. And it's not because I hate white people. It's just most of the white people I know, they sucked. But if he wanted no white people because he wanted it to look like a plantation, 
that is a completely separate ball of wax. That means that you wouldn't want white guys who were really, really good, like Pistol Pete and Larry Bird and Chris Mullen, just because it wouldn't look like a slave plantation. But, you know, once again, Donald Sterling, who I believe is no longer with us, um, just another little, uh, you know, rock thrown at his house. But in the end, Reddick got his money. Sterling was brought to justice. Rivers' Sterling reputation remained intact. And all all's well that uh, ends well. But as progressive as the league has become, you look in the rearview mirror at how unsavory some of these things were. And they were, what, six years ago, five years ago? I mean, it really wasn't that long ago that we had this type of situation. All right, when we come back, Karen Lyle will be in, and she's going to interview someone pimpy, fresh, and cool. Come on back. This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk, and it's time for A Cup of Cane with Scotch. I'm talking with Christopher Cain. Christopher, what about the CLGP app changes the race for the fans? That technology was originally developed when the America's Cup was here in San Francisco, and a, a guy named Stan Honey did a lot. It, it, it won an Emmy because he actually developed the technology for the first down marker in football, which was the first time anyone ever took a technology overlay and put it into a live broadcast. Pretty breakthrough piece of technology when it happened at the time. And, and the problem with, with sailing in general, and this was this discussion before the America's Cup came to San Francisco, and they knew there was going to be lots of people watching it. They knew there was going to be lots of people on the shore. And the problem with sailboat races is it's very hard to figure out the things that fans want to know. Who's going how fast? Who's in first place? Who's closest to the finish line? Since sailboats have a tendency to not sail directly at the thing they are sailing towards, it tends to make it very hard for average people to figure it out. So that was part of that whole technology they developed for the America's Cup, and then they embellished it even more for SailGP. And I think that's, again, you know, looking at SailGP as starting to merge the next generation of, of sports engagement with traditional sports. Um, you know, f- people like my, my son, when they're watching esports, they're into the data as much as they are into the actual sport itself. And I think sailing is, is unique in that not only can the data be very exciting, the data is very telling. Um, you know, football and, and baseball, it, it's more static in terms of, you know, the batting average you had at the beginning of the game. Even if you get four hits, the, the batting average is not going to change that much. One of the things that I find fascinating about competitive sailing is sailing is the only sport in the world where the playing field is constantly changing underneath you. When you go up the waterfront to uh, turn around at Black Holler, which is the, the turning mark just uh, west of, of St. Francis Yacht Club, and then you go down, and the next time you come up that leg, the wind's going to change. The tide has changed. Where the other boats are in relationship to you has changed. It's never the same leg. It's never the same course. And because of that, the data is so much more interesting if you can be presented that data in a way that is understanding that, oh, my God, they did this 
tacked. They went in an opposite direction of that boat, and now the speed, they're losing speed, but, oh, my God, that patch of wind is going to hit this boat first. Oh, my God, they're going to catch up. You know, it, things change in a second, and that's what makes the data really interesting to me in sailing is it literally is changing and impacting the game in real time. Thanks, Christopher. This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk, a cup of cane with scotch. Thank you for that. 940 on a Tuesday, salesportstalk.com. What other show brings you a weekly segment on the pleasures of sailing? And we bring in my co-host and sailing aficionado, the legend, Karen Lyle. How are you, Karen? Oh, I'm doing great, Rick. Here we are. Now, you had an idea today. You said you wanted to ask me about my sailing experiences. So... The show is yours. You have the floor. You know, Rick, I have had some fans, some sailing fans, asking me about you. And I thought, you get to interview everyone, and you've been doing it for, I don't know, how many years, Rick? I've been in broadcasting since 89. Okay. So what is it that got you into broadcasting? I mean, the, the pivotal thing that just made you say, I want to do this. Well, I was a history major in college, and then I realized in my junior year that I was going to be a history teacher at 22, or at least getting a master's, and then I realized I had no desire to go to college after getting my bachelor's degree, and my dad actually suggested, you know, what about, because I was always a writer, and I wrote for the school newspaper, and I was a sports writer, and I always thought I was a pretty good writer. And so then we had a broadcasting um, uh, truck that was donated, and so I started uh, getting into broadcasting, and I switched majors, and um, so I started getting into a broadcasting. I thought it seemed more exciting than being a history teacher in my 20s. Well, it is exciting, and I love watching you do what you do, uh, actually listening, because I don't, you know, I only get to see you when I see you in person. Um, you know, when you were rising in your career, what were some of the events that happened in sequence that just kind of, you know, created that um, that synergy, that energy that really, really made you shine? Well, um, that's an interesting question. Well put. Um, I'm just a shiner, like a black guy. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's funny is that, um, <clears throat> you know, nowadays there are so many different ways to get into broadcasting and you can broadcast yourself, you know, things like YouTube and all that, but there was no internet. There were no cell phones. I know it sounds like, you know, Texas was the largest of our 48 States, but you know, if you wanted to work in TV, you had to work for free and most places didn't want someone that already had a college degree. They wanted college students. So my old my old teacher, Jim Freesha said, I know a lady who has a production company in San Francisco called independent television news I applied to be an intern there, and they said, we only have one per year, and we just hired one. So I put on a suit. I took Bart to San Francisco, and I put up a resume. And my resume basically said, you know, most inspirational player on the football team, whatever, not impressive. 
And I said, I know you. I went in person, and I said, I know you said you have two. In, you, you can't have two interns, but here's my resume. And I got home, and they called and said, Well, we think what you did was really cool, so we will have two interns. And then that led into um, uh, doing a lot of satellite press tours, video news releases. I got to go to Hugh Hefner's wedding at uh, the Playboy Mansion, July 1st, 89, which is a story in and of itself. And not to make this story go on forever and ever, but we started um, a television uh, studio for a new regional sports network called Sports Channel. And they immediately said, would you like to do it? You're kind of a sports guy. So they hired me to be a tape operator. And even before that, I was doing some sports byline TV. And you'll like this, Karen, as I was doing the tape and Chiron, or character generator for that TV show in 1989, one of our interns was a guy named Darren Peck. <laughs> now, was that the same Darren Peck that's now the president of Sports Byline? Yes, not the weather guy at KCBS. Right. Oh, my goodness, that's quick. Now, you said tape and character generator. Was that the toaster and the uh, one-inch reel-to-reel tape? Well, the toaster wasn't invented yet, but yes, we I did use one-inch reels, and I would thread them through, and they were three-hour reels, and uh, we did A's and Giants. Uh, we didn't have Warriors yet. They were on the Pacific Sports Network, and the Sharks didn't exist back then, but yes, I did use one-inch reels. They were very, very heavy. Yes, I remember. Actually, I started back in uh, 1987, and I was using those one-inch reels for the first um, classical music video that I did for Arts and Entertainment Network. Anyway, but I wasn't the one operating the tape. I was the one who was producing the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So now back back to you, though. I want to know where you went in the world as a broadcaster that just stands out in your mind as this was a cool trip. Well, um, one thing that I... And, and this is the thing, was that when I worked in TV for 10 years, I was a technical director in sports television, which was nights and weekends. And and people said, asked me if I ever had a desire to be on the air, and I said, not really. And if you did, you had to have the ambition to go to all these different little markets. And you'd start off in Yuma, Arizona, and then you'd get West Palm Beach, and then you'd get a big break in Peoria. And then after 15 years, maybe you could get Sacramento and I didn't want to do that. Um, and so um, I – but anyway, once I did get into broadcasting, I would. it's funny because I've been to Super Bowls and World Cups and World Series and NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals. But I would say the coolest thing I got to do, I just got to do in October. And I'm a huge lifelong Tottenham Hotspur fan. And the Raiders were playing the Bears at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. This last season of Oakland Raider football, I was the pre- and post-game host with Jim Cozumar, my co-host. So as a lifelong, you know, it was cool to do the A's for eight years because that's my team, to be the guy that people call after the game. But to be the Raider guy and to do my pre- and post-game show from London, from that stadium, that I don't think anything is going to beat that. That was a thrill. I remember we waved over the Atlantic. I think I was... You were coming back as I was going to Europe or something. Like I was that, in I coach think. sitting in an aisle seat, and you were on your private jet, and we waved at each other. <laughs> yeah, I wish. I wish it was the yeah. private jet. <laughs> um, you know, this last year, you know, you've gotten acquainted with 
sailors and sail sport and cruisers and and all all kinds of things that that you didn't know about sailing. What is it that stands out in your mind of all the interviews you had, or what have you learned about sailing that that kind of changes a preconceived idea you had? Well, as two different questions there. I'll just say changing a preconceived notion is that I thought everyone who sailed was rich and out of touch and was Larry Ellison or Ted Turner. That's what I kind of thought that most sailors were, which I know isn't fair, but it's just you kind of think only rich people can do it. But the people who really stand out to me, I mean, Sir Robin Knox Johnson, we had him on twice. Um, That guy is a a man's man, uh, just brave beyond words to go around the world by himself. But the bravest person and you know I, I rarely ask for a picture and then you might remember I wanted to get a picture with this guy it was the blind sailor because well, I don't know how people ride BART blind that blows my mind so how you can be a blind sailor that one really stuck with me Karen well actually I just uh, communicated with Walt he lives in San Francisco and so during COVID-19 I checked in with him to see how he's doing and he's cool he's chilling just like the rest of us. And um, so I do remember you having that picture. And and it, he is an inspiration, I think, because not only is he a world champion sailor, but, you know, he's doing it blind. And that, that's something we don't understand if we have sight. Um, no doubt. You know, what's a, <laughs> what is uh, one of your favorite fan experiences? Favorite what experiences? Fan experiences, experiences with sports fans. Um, as I said, I've been very privileged and blessed. My two of them really stick out. Number one um, was going to Super Bowl eleven uh, with my little brother. My dad, I'm sorry, Super Bowl fifteen. My dad took my older brother to Super Bowl eleven. The Raiders beat the Vikings, and he felt bad because he had two other sons, and he said, if the Raiders go back, I promise that I'll take you guys. He kept his promise. He flew. We flew to New Orleans. The Super Bowl is always my age. So Super Bowl 15, I was 15, and the Raiders won that game, and that will always be number one. But working the World Cup at Stanford and having tickets to all the games, those are probably the best two, three weeks of my life. But the other thing I would say after the Super Bowl, and this was a loss, was the USA versus Czech Republic in Gelsenkirchen at the World Cup in Germany in 2006 to sing the national anthem with the USA fans on in Germany at the World Cup. I had relatives there. Um, that was just, I was titillated beyond belief uh, for that one. Is that where you got the name for the show, or was it already named? I got the name for the show. I remember watching Univision, and they had a thing called Deportes Titulares, which I thought meant titillating sports. And so I, I thought I was stealing it from it. And then I found out that Deportes Titulares does not mean titillating sports. But um, when this show started on Sirius, I thought it was you know just going to be a month or two, maybe a year tops. So all I did was comedy bits. And then I got legit. And now I have to actually talk real sports. And it sucked all the fun out of it, Karen. You're legit. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I forgot. <laughs> Yeah. Are, are we legit? Are, are people actually listening to us? You know, sometimes it's hard to know when you're all by yourself. Oh, here, huh? they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing to know. Um, you know, has there ever a time that you wanted to just throw in the towel and quit broadcasting? Um, 
There was a time or did it when always I was just working, grab you? Uh, pardon? Or did it always just grab you and you've never wanted to quit once you started? Uh, I'd quit it tomorrow if I got something better. No. Um, I remember there was a time when I was um, first working on television, like my first year, and there was an opportunity to um, teach at a grammar school because I was a substitute teacher in the Oakland Diocese part-time, and there was a full-time teaching position, and I thought it sounded kind of fun, and luckily my dad, who's a lot smarter than me, said, you don't want to do that. Come on, you're just getting started in broadcasting. But other than that, no, because you know when I was in college to get money to go to Europe in the summer, I worked at, uh, I worked at a shoe store at the Street Plaza, McPhee's Junior Bootery. I worked at a shoe store at the Hilltop Mall. I realized I was a clerk at the world headquarters of Bank of America one time for a summer. I realized that being putting on a suit and working at a cubicle was something that I never, ever wanted to do. Did you ever go um, to another country besides London when you were um, sports casting? Yeah, yeah, I went all over the the continent, um, and uh, in fact, the World Cup in '06. I remember doing reports uh, back to my show with uh, I had uh, Dennis King uh, filling in for me at the time and Josh Shear. But we have time for one more quickie. You got one? Yeah. Where are you go? Are you in the in the the studio now? Because I'm still in my house, and you mentioned you were going across the bridge. So I was wondering if you're back back in the studio. Oh no. I ain't going across no bridge. I'm in my house, girl. Yeah, me too. Here we are. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm actually really grateful for this this time to be able to be doing the show during COVID-19. It helps give some sense of normalcy to the, this crazy world. How about you? Yes. Yeah, no, and, and I appreciate you. I appreciate the interest in me. I know people didn't learn anything about sailing right now, but you know what? Sometimes you need human interest stories, right? You are the color today. <laughs> All right, Karen, I thanks like for your that. time. Salesporttalk.com, everybody. Check it out. Karen, we'll check you out next week. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byline. struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years. I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about elite rehab placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober. And all it took was the one phone call. Elite Rehab can help you start to break your addiction problem and get sober in as little as seven days. And we'll work with your insurance provider to help cover the costs. Plus, we have travel assistance programs to get you here by plane or train. Make this free call right now to learn more. 800-403-5912. That's 800-403-5912. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedars-Sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California. Dedicated to your health, your life, and your sports. As a weekend warrior, you know about sports injuries and pain. Exercise is an important element in keeping your body's core in good shape to minimize sports injuries. But when you are in pain, there is one product that I recommend to my patients, and that is Blue Goo Gel. Blue Goo consists of a proprietary formula developed specifically for the treatment of inflammation and general muscle aches and strains. I recommend Blue Goo for my patients coping with hip and knee pain before surgery, especially bursitis and tendonitis. Give Blue Blue Goo a try. Call 1-888-330-0123 and you'll receive a one-week supply of Blue Goo absolutely free. The makers of Blue Goo are even paying the shipping. The number again is 1-888-330-0123. If you want more information on Blue Goo, visit online at www.dothegoo.com. Now available at select big five stores near you. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-371-9608. That's 1-800-371-9608. Call 1-800-371-9608. Call now. Oh, come now. Don't be ashamed. (laughs) We all have our idiosyncrasies. wish you would try and slap rick tittle's mama's face he would clown you i wouldn't clown you thanks for that and welcome back to the show and we'll get back to the dirigeur of me interviewing other people we'll have bruce marshall in the next hour and then the third hour justin willman magic for humans on netflix he'll join us and then my old buddy herbs herbs and spices 57 of them michael urban the big lefty he will be joining us at 11 40 <clears throat> why what's he pushing nothing i just called him up and i'm like hey herbs come on and give us some of your uh, dulcet tones and uh, we can talk by the way i'm glad karen didn't ask me about sailing specifically because i have no desire ever to go sailing in my life what i mean by that is with sales <laughs> with salespeople. well yeah that too i love boats I love boats. I love speed boats. I love inboard motors, outboard motors, bass trackers, party boats. Love partoon boats. Love going to San Pablo Dam out on a pontoon boat, the party boat, sitting back there with the steering wheel like you're driving a car. The whole thing about putting up the jib and the mainsail to the foc'sle to the uh, all that stuff. Here comes the boom 
I don't want anything to do with the wind. Other than that, love sailing. All right, we have another hour together. 1-800-878-PLAY. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline. Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers, from a leading financial firm on maximizing your income in retirement. That's right, free. This free book reveals little-known truths about annuities in simple-to-understand terms that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. And it's free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, summarizing the rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. That's right, annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling today. 800-720-5971. 800-720-5971. That's 800-720-5971. Producers have the appropriate licenses for the products they offer. Increased income is possible using strategies suited to your goals and may require buying multiple annuities and holding them full term. Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Coast Coast, American Forces Radio Network, all that good stuff. And two more hours to go. And such a great response from Karen Lyle interviewing me that people want more of me. So I'm going to interview myself. Rick, did you ever have a dog? Never did. But one time a dog came to our back door when I was a kid and we started feeding it. And my mom said, no, 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 don't feed it. Because then the dog will never go away. So we never even named it. We just called him Puppy. We're like, Puppy's here. Give Puppy some food. Look, it's Puppy. And then finally, my dad's like, we can't have him anymore. We need to take him to the pound. So my mother and my brothers and I, we got into the car and we held Puppy and we all cried on the way to the pound so they could put Puppy asleep. And then, Rick, when were you toilet trained? Well, I had a uh, anyway. uh, tune-in app, iHeartRadio app. Stitcher app, those are all great apps, app applications, as they say. Angry Birds, probably not, but uh, you can receive the shows that way. Also through, was he serious? I don't know when he's serious or not. Sportsbyline.com, you can go there, click listen live. Um, you can actually <clears throat> look back at some of my old blogs that I wrote uh, that were hilarious. <laughs> One of them, I was just absolutely agog at the audacity and the temerity and the gall 
that Oklahoma would want statehood, that Dust Bowl territory. Um, spoiler alert, it did get it. But, but you can read all the old blogs there uh, as well. But let's talk about the now. What is the now? Aora, jetzt. What is going on right now? Let's talk about that in the world of sports. Baseball, is it coming back? We'll talk about it. Hockey, is it done? We'll talk to Bruce Marshall at uh, 1040, good buddy. Also, NBA, is it done? This is what we want to know. Can we go to games? Do we have to sit next to mannequins six feet apart and sex dolls and all that stuff? Do we have to sit next to a cardboard cutout of Bruce Willis six feet apart from a game? These are the questions people want to know. So call me up, 1-800-878-PLAY. If you want to get me on Twitter, it is at Rick Tittle. Another two hours. Come on. If you or a loved one is suffering from a physical or emotional condition that has left you unable to work, then listen carefully. Take this number down, 800-593-7491. That's 800-593-7491. When you call, you'll speak with a Social Security disability expert and get a free evaluation to see if you may qualify for disability insurance benefits from the U.S. government. That's right, a monthly cash payment paid directly to you from the Social Security Administration. Whether you're applying for the first time or you've already been denied disability benefits, call now. The disability attorneys at Pinnacle Disability can help you build your case, file an appeal, and represent you at no upfront cost to you. Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now. Hey, travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right, call, because the best prices are not online. They're with SmartFares. See, SmartFares has special deals with the airlines. When they have unsold seats, they use SmartFares to fill them. So you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices. Our prices are too low to publish online. With the extra money you'll save, you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping. So stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first-class tickets. 855-325-1780. 855-325-1780. That's 855-325-1780. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a 100 years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorns Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-485-6003. 800-485-6003. That's 800-485-6003. 
Hour two of titillating sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour two of titillating sports. Hey, check out Channel 9. Check out Rick Tittle. Check me out, yo. What you got? 1-800-878-PLAY. Baseball, will it come back? We have different ideas from the union and the league and who gets paid what, and they agreed to a prorated salary structure, and now it's supposed to be half of all revenue from the owners and blah, blah, blah. But how about this? One well-known member of the union has made his own proposal, Ulysses S. Grant. Now, that is the Phillies outfielder Bryce Harper. And he took to social media to share his vision, uh, which includes a neutral site, um, a World Series. But here's how it goes. He wrote, baseball season, beyond the health and safety, which comes first are all our players, staff, workers, fans, and families. Just an idea I have been thinking about. East-West, like NBA. July, 31 days. August, 31 days. September, 30 days. Okay, Bryce. October, 31 days. Getting boring. November, 15 days. 135 games. Off day every two weeks on a Monday. And Sunday, doubleheader, seven innings. 30 players. Six-man rotation. Save arms. If pitchers wanted this. If not, no big deal. DH and any other ideas possible. Playoffs. Two-week World Series, like Super Bowl week. Ten teams, round-robin format, college World Series kind of style, at the new Texas Stadium, or whatever stadium, stadiums are best. Three-game series. You win the series, you move on. You lose, you play the other loser in a one-game wild card. Winner of that moves on. Other team is out. Or you could play it in Vegas so you could have the strip hotels and use one hotel for all the guys and contain them possibly. He continues. Two teams left seven-game World Series. They get two days off before the series. With those two days off, you do an all-star game and a home run derby and could do the MLB awards as well at that time. Open this up on all platforms, no blackouts, open it for everybody to watch. Then you back up next season, two years, May 1st, 2021, April 1st, 2022. Maybe I'm crazy. I just fun to think about and throw around ideas. <clears throat> lot to unpack, as the kids would say here. This is a big suitcase. First of all, 135 games is too much. It's just too much. It's going to be 100 games. Um, And seven-inning doubleheaders can kiss my behind. Once again, I put the emphasis on the other syllable, not behind. Kiss my behind. Kiss my seat. No seven-inning doubleheaders. This is not... JV baseball. Okay, this is not beer belly softball. 
uh, an off day every two weeks, that's not going to work with players. Um, the round robin college world series format would be as exciting as all get out. And we would all be like, wait, what happened? So they're in the losers group. Wait, they were in the losers group and now they're back. Oh yeah. So they face elimination now, but they survived. Oh, that team was up, but now they're out. Oh, they're not out. They have to lose twice. You have to beat them twice in the same day, twice in the same day. That's exciting. So you can have that. Anyway, the College World Series works like that until you actually get to the final two, and then it's more traditional baseball. But <clears throat> I don't want it. <laughs> it would be exciting because it's playoff baseball in a funky format. But I'd rather just go best of three if you want to do that. Best of five, whatever it is. If you expand it, best of three, everybody has to win at least, at least two games before the other one. I'm okay with that. Playing in Vegas, like he said, that's his hometown. Maybe throw a little love there. We'll talk to uh, uh, Bruce Marshall uh, about that, see what his idea would be that. I call this uh, Harper's Folly. Remember JR from West Virginia used to call me? And I go, what's uh, Harper's Ferry like? I heard of it. You ever been there? No. Okay. He'd always ask me about what some local Pittsburgh show was doing. Yeah, Dick Hurts said the Steelers are going to trade Roethlisberger. Yeah, I don't know who that is. You don't know who Roethlisberger is? No, I don't know who Dick Hurts is. But that's like if I said, you know, you live your whole life in West Virginia. Harper's Ferry, I heard of it. would be like somebody saying, oh, you're from the Bay Area? Yeah. Have you been to San Jose? I heard of it. But Dallas, <clears throat> he says the new – well, he's talking about the new Rangers stadium. So – Two teams left, seven-game World Series. We understand that one. But the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby before the World Series, well, that would be a celebration. There's no doubt that would be a celebration. There's no doubt. But the league playing into November to finish a 135-game schedule and teams having an off day every other Monday, he says... 30 players. Well, I think it's already going to be 30 players. But the, I mean, Harper's proposal would see, I mean, if you take it from his dates, that means the World Series would be playing in December. So he said two more years to push back, you know, start the season in May next year, and then April the year after that, and then late March, I guess, 2023. But the good thing is, I think out of all this, is the fact that you got people talking. People are talking, Ann Frazier, Bruce McGowan. They're talking. Why not? A couple of uh, players wanting comebacks, by the way. Bartolo Colon, big sexy, has not pitched in the bigs since uh, 2018. He's about to turn 47 years old. And um, he was talking to ESPN, and he said, quote, I thought that last year maybe I would have the opportunity. I know that if it didn't happen last year, this year would be less likely. I'm getting older, and the game is all about young pitchers coming up. When you get older, teams no longer use your services. Um, but I want to play again. And by the way, during the winter, Cologne signed a deal with Monclova Aceros of the Mexican Baseball League. But that never got going, obviously, because of the pandemic. When he was at the Rangers two years ago, 
His ERA was just under six. Big Sexy, by the way, is 285 pounds. And I remember um, Bartolo Colon, uh, when the A's <laughs> won the division that year, or was it 2012? <clears throat> Very exciting year. And uh, every time I said Bartolo Colon, guys, so that sounds racist when you say it that way. I go, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't help myself. Bartolo Colon, Bartolo Colon. Um, I was in the um, A's clubhouse talking to somebody, and I felt a tap on my left shoulder. I turned around, there was no one there, and I turned and looked back the other way, and it's Bartolo Colon. He went, ah! I went, ah, you got me! I think the stupidest example, if you got me, was I was speaking with uh, Anthony Recker. Remember him, ladies? The ladies liked Anthony Recker with his square jaw and at his locker in the clubhouse. And also I heard this, the, the loudest cat you could ever do in my ear. And not only did I like go, yeah, but even Anthony Recker went like, da. And I turned around and was Tommy Malone. And all I could think of was, that's so SC. You know, that's where he went. I go, that's just so SC. I go, ah, you got me. <laughs> you got me. Big Sexy. He wants to come back. Anybody calling? Bueller? Bueller? I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Planet. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Imagine this is your money and someone wants to take it from you. Who is it? The IRS. They want your money. And guess what? They can legally take it, all of it if they want. Remember, they sent you that letter that said, hey, you owe us a bunch of cash and we're going to take it from you. So what do you do? Fight back by letting our team of experts at the tax helpline work it out with the IRS so you can keep your money. And we're good at what we do. When you hire us, you get a team of guys on your side that know the IRS laws and will fight to save your money. So if you owe the IRS a ton of cash and you want to keep it, call right now. 
and learn for free how we can help you put it back in your pocket. 800-932-1749. 800-932-1749. That's 800-932-1749. I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever. Hey, look, I I never wanted to start using. I I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I I just want to tell him it's not your fault. There are people out there who can help. People who have felt your pain. They know what you're going through. This has to stop. I'm losing everything. Everyone. You've been strong your whole life. You can do this, but you have to reach out for help. It's time. I can do this. Addiction is a disease, and diseases need treatment. Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. Wait! She must have meant 10 o'clock at night. Do you think? Why would she have you meet her in a bar at 10 in the morning? I just figured she was a raging alcoholic. wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you. Wow, that's quite hurtful. I'm crying. <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Um, <clears throat> I saw this tweet from uh, Chase Mitchell. <laughs> it said, Nancy Pelosi fat shamed the president in that dry, brutal way that white women usually reserve for their own daughters. <laughs> She called him morbidly obese. Do you know what's sad? And and I'm not getting into politics, whose side you're on. I don't care whose side you're on. I literally don't care whose side you're on. That's not how I judge people. I judge people on how they treat other people, not on their politics or their religion. I'll never date anyone that voted for... Oh, my gosh. Shallow. Oh, I just judge people by other things. <clears throat> what was Steve Martin? I judge them by the size of their noses. But if you look at charts, you'd be surprised how easy you can get to morbidly obese. And nothing else is morbidly, right? You don't <laughs> you, you don't say that uh, that anthill is morbidly huge, or that um, that explosion was uh, morbidly loud. It's sort of like you uncork a wild pitch. You don't uncork anything else. You don't even uncork a bottle of wine. But if you look at charts and the fat body index, all that stuff um, is, you know, it's kind of generalizing to say the least. But uh, you look at those charts, you put in your age, your, your height and your weight, and it'll say obese, morbidly obese. And you get there pretty quickly. So I think she might be factually all right. Rick, are you bringing that up because of Bartolo Colon? 
Maybe I am. But Bartolo Colon is not the only veteran trying to make a big league comeback. There's also a guy named K-Rod. But Francisco Rodriguez, <clears throat> 38 years old, he hasn't pitched since 2017. But he told uh, Guillermo Arcai down in Venezuela that he hopes to get back to the big leagues. And um, the transcript, which was uh, translated by El Emergentes Ignacio Serrano, I call him Nacho, uh, he said, um, that is the goal. In spite of the fact that I'm seen as being advanced in age, that is the goal. The injuries and the ups and downs have slowed me down, but I have the conviction, the hunger, and I'm completely sure I can accomplish it. Many say it's impossible. Impossible was a child leaving the Barrio Kennedy and succeeding abroad. If you had asked me 25 years ago if I was going to be one of the best five closer in the big leagues, I would have told you that was impossible. Well, <clears throat> look, I remember K-Rod very well um, when the Angels brought him up. And I went to all seven games of that 2002 World Series. And it was uh, – he was pretty much unhittable. But how about that? By the way, Barrio Kennedy, that is in Caracas. It's one of the worst ghettos in the Venezuelan capital. And isn't it funny? It's named after JFK. Remember Chris Rock's line? He's like, Martin Luther King Jr., a man of peace. But if you're anywhere in America on Martin Luther King Jr. Street, you're in a dangerous place. <laughs> So Barrio Kennedy is is one of the worst places, I said, in Caracas. But in, in uh, three years ago, when Rodriguez was in the bigs, and he was only in the bigs for a month, he was with Detroit. Detroit sucked. His ERA was 7.82 and 25 and a third. Uh, he gave up a 2.92 batting average. And then after he got cut after a month, he went into the Nationals system three years ago um, in the minors, never made it up. And then the Phillies gave him a cup of coffee, kicking the tires at spring training in 2018, and he got cut in camp. And so in 2018, he went, played with the Long Island Ducks. That's what you do. And he was great. 42 and a third, a 2.76 ERA, although he was you know, playing against Rick Tittle in that league. But um, then he went to Acereros de Monclova of the Mexican League as well. That's what Cologne just signed with. But you have to go back to 2016 when he was actually good in the minor leagues. But if you look at his stats, is this a guy who might make it to the Hall of Fame someday? And you might say, K-Rod, what are you kidding? Well, think about this. A career 286. Any career ERA under three, if you played more than 10 years, is a shining star. But the thing that blows away his ERA, because ERA with closers don't really matter. What matters is saves. He has 437 saves. Now, you could say, I can get 50 saves in a year. Can you? 437 saves. The one thing that he might have going for him is the 50-man roster because the proposal that MLB put out, that Harper talked about, 
is a 30-man active roster and a 20-man taxi squad, if you like. So there's unlikely to be a minor league season this year, which really sucks. And the taxi squad will help keep injury replacements and called candidates ready to play. So any team that wants to add pitching between now and opening day, you bring in K-Rod as a non-roster guy, see how he looks in spring training, then you stash him on the taxi squad. It's a low-risk move. This is a guy with a ring. He has made a fortune in this game. There would be no shaming him calling it a career. If he's still willing to grind it out and you got nothing, even if you have something of a taxi squad of 20 guys, and he concluded, quote, as long as I have that conviction, as long as I have that flame, I'm going to keep trying. And I know that I'm going to do it. But you must remember that I've been out a long time. I have a name, some numbers, and a pedigree, but that doesn't assure me anything. I have to show that I am healthy and able to help a team, which is true. My favorite K-Rod moment, by the way, was remember, my most hated baseball team is the Angels. <clears throat> Despise the Angels. Second would be the Boston Red Sox. The Yankees don't even make the top 10 for hated teams. The Giants don't make the top 10. These teams that my other A's fans usually hate, I hate the Giants and the Yankees. I, I, I don't hate the Yankees, and I don't hate the Giants. It's teams <laughs> in the division and then Red Sox because they're so obnoxious. I know. But I despise the Angels, and there was a play where Jason Kendall was on third base, the ball was thrown back to K-Rod from the catcher. He dropped it for a second. He went behind the mound. Jason Kendall broke for home plate, slid in, and was safe. And I remember Kendall saying, my dad told me, always keep your eye on the ball. I mean, it was just the most basic thing anyone has ever said, but it, it paid off. But, you know, I also think about that Angels series uh, in 2002, with people, on, one guy in the crowd threatening to stab me. Uh, and, and whenever I tell people, like, the worst stadium I've ever been in for fans, ever, is Angel Stadium, as far as just pe things being thrown and threats. And one guy, um, uh, like, pushed me, and then I slapped the hat off his head, and then I turned to walk away, and I felt wind, which meant he threw a haymaker at me and missed. And then I guess he gave up. A horrible, horrible toilet bowl of a stadium. Whenever I say that, people are like, oh, Anaheim, that's all families. That, you sit next to Goofy and Mickey Mouse. You ride in on Dumbo. No, you <laughs> scumbag city. Absolute scumbag city. But, you know, K-Rod, I'll hand it to him. Back then, just Francisco Rodriguez. He would come in, and his breaking ball was filthy. It was Kerry Wood-esque. Remember when Kerry Wood came up with the Cubs? He would just throw these ridiculous Frisbees. They looked like sliders, and then they'd fall off the table. How do you throw a split-fingered slider? You can't. And he was doing it. And he was just a kid. And they had their guys in the pen, but they're like, oh. Remember their, their uh, closer was Troy Percival at the time. And this is one of those traditional, you know, John Wetland type of dudes going to get up there and he was just going to throw gas and climb the ladder and see if you'd take a hack at it. And it's this big beach ball. And then by the time you swing, it's already up at your shoulders. 
but they'd bring in Percival and then they would bring in K-Rod who would throw, you know, 96 with sync. And it's like, okay, I, I can't, I can't hit any of this. He was one of the best I've ever seen in his prime. K-Rod was, uh, do I want to try him on the A's? Well, when I almost said Liam Neeson, when Liam Hendricks is your closer, I'm open to anything, but, uh, I think I'll pass. I think I'll pass on uh, on that one. All right, 1-800-878-PLAY. I'm Rick Tittle. We will take a quick break. Your call's welcome here at Sports Byline. Bruce Marshall is up next. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil for $28.95 and get a $10 O'Reilly gift card after mail-in rebate. You can even order at OReillyAuto.com and we'll deliver it curbside. Protect your engine from sludge and wear at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Attention to anyone that's written a book or wants to write a book. The process is not that complicated. Take a first step. Even if you write a page a day, you'll build momentum and your book will become a reality. The hard part is getting it published. That's when you need to call Page Publishing. They've got hundreds and hundreds of thank yous from different new authors just like you. They make the process of publishing your new book and getting it sold online a simple process. You can learn how simple it is right now by calling for your free page publishing new author submission kit one quick three-minute phone call that's all it takes to get free information and learn how you can get your book published pick up your phone right now and call us 24 hours a day at this number 800-603-0885 800-603-0885 that's 800-603-0885 Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans? Then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments, and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. If you have $10,000 or more and at least two federal student loans and currently not in school, you may qualify for one of these programs. Call now to check your eligibility. Student Loan Advisors are standing by to help you determine if you qualify for these new programs. They can help you reduce your interest, lower your payment, and even forgive a portion of your student loan debt. Take control of your financial future. Make this free 5-minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan debt. 800-439-7851 Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. Soon you'll have a separate fridge in the basement where extra groceries are exiled forever. Remember that frozen lasagna? Of course you don't. It's been down there since 2008. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Piece of cake. 
Behind the lasagna. It's very old. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. As Gotch brings it in, Sharks get it out. Here's a breakaway. Patrick Marlowe scores! cares about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio. Uh, bless your heart. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces Radio Network. And uh, we like to check in once a week with our good buddy from thegoldsheet.com down in Las Vegas. It is Bruce Marshall as we talk about the NHL. And uh, just two days ago, we got a report from the Athletics Pierre Lebron. And um, he said that the league is taking uh, a modified look at shaping what the postseason might look at. And the proposal, apparently, Bruce, is a 24-team format, which doesn't go straight into the playoffs. It'll involve some games beforehand. That's something that the players have pushed for. But once they return to play committee, which is what it's called, it finally agrees to a format, then they'll need to vote. Uh, on it. Your thoughts, Bruce? Yeah, at least they're making some uh, progress on this. Um, and, um, it, you know, they're, they're, they're formulating something because it, we've heard a lot of stuff talked about, Rick, even since, you know, later March. Uh, but it's never gotten beyond the talking phase here. And it looks now like we're seeing some sports. We've seen some overseas. We saw the German Bundesliga open, and now, you know, Major League Baseball's formulated something. Um, and the NFL sort of proceeding. The NHL, you know, is now, you know, seeing that the, you know, this this can be done, and they're figuring out a way to do it. They're still their problem is about 17% of the players right now live outside of the United States or, or outside of the U- U.S. right now, so they'd have to make some sort of accommodation. And of course, this U.S.-Canada thing across the border would have to be addressed too. But they are making some progress on it. That 2014 sounds, you know, I think right now the the the, the public would take anything right now um and uh would 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 be would gladly embrace that the one thing that alarmed me a little bit and this is you know uh, almost unavoidable if there's not going to be fans in the stands the nhl could sort of survive as a studio league the ahl and the, and the other minor leagues could not they need fans in the stands and we know the ahl already canceled the rest of its uh 2019-20 season and they're thinking what they might have to do for the next season so Lots of things going on, but at least there's a little bit of hope there might be a light at the end of the tunnel. And that's the thing, too. I mean, if you're the commissioner of, you know, any sport right now, but especially the NBA and the NHL, which have been so abruptly cut right in the middle of the season, um, Gary Bettman has to say that the season will be back. He said this week that fans should not be worried about a cancellation, but he's focused on, quote, doing the right things. Um, but um, the, the only time the Stanley Cup, of course, was not awarded was, was during the Spanish flu. That was 1919 and, and, of course, the lockout in 05. But 
he can't come out and say, yeah, there's no way we're going to get this done. So how much do you believe that this thing will actually happen if you had to bet? I think there's a little better than 50-50 chance the NHL finishes out this season. Um, I actually think there's a little better chance the NHL does it than the NBA. It's just my own personal thought. Um, and probably that same odds sort of hold true for the for MLB. In fact, the only major sort of sport I would I think might fall less than 50 percent uh, for doing or getting back at all in the fall would be college football. But that's another subject for another day. But I think the NHL probably can do it. I mean, because there has been some work behind the scenes, Rick. You've got uh, several markets, apparently 15 or so of them, have made proposals to the NHL to become hub cities. Uh, you know, Vegas. Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver, among them. I'm just reading from a story that came out in ESPN last week. and But we had heard that before, and uh, multiple games per day without fans, ample hotel space, uh, ability to test players and staffers. Uh, so that whole thing, the, see, I still think that is the more viable thing short-term here to get most of the teams playing in one area. Maybe there's if it's not one city, three or four, and that's that's a doable thing. The NBA's talked about doing that. And then maybe in the fall, you get back to their home arenas and things. But the only thing I think the public has to accept, however they finish this season, and I still think they probably will, it's just going to be a little bit different. Yeah, maybe there's an asterisk by it, but at least you'll have hockey and you'll have something to, to you know, you'll have some, uh, you know, resolution in this, this, this season. I think people just want to see it and they'll, they'll gladly accept having an asterisk champion if that's the way it has to be. Speaking with Bruce Marshall of the Gold Sheet down in Vegas, um, Bryce Harper today uh, or yesterday, whatever it was, he put on Instagram about his idea of how baseball could return. And he thought about having the the playoffs in the World Series, kind of a college World Series round robin tournament until you got to the last two. And then it would go back to best of seven. But he suggested uh, the Rangers new stadium in Dallas or his hometown of Vegas. And he goes, we could get one casino on the strip and have that be the thing. Now I've seen reports and you know this better than anybody about Vegas's new ad campaign, the new Vegas for the new reality and, and the, you know, giving a squirt of hand sanitizer between hands and blackjack tables. What, what is the news in, uh, in your hometown there? Well, I'm I, I'm horrified by some of the the things the Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority is doing, and this whole thing about a new Vegas, new reality—they're missing the boat. You can you can adjust to these uh, these you know the, the new normal, but short-term all the social distancing stuff that can only be a short-term thing. Yeah, okay, you'll do that for a while, but Vegas has to get back to the way it was. Human interaction is all about Vegas. And I, I think that's the message they should have. I saw them the other morning on Stuart Barney's show. A guy from Vegas sounded like a like a, a, a droning bureaucrat, you know, um, you know, just we're going to adjust and be safe. Yeah, okay, but you've got to at some point let people know our goal is to get back to the old normal. That's what it's all about in Vegas, and they're never going to the contraction and the they're never going to bounce back if they don't do that. So I don't know, um, um, you know, how they're going to figure this stuff out, but the the there can't. This can't be a new normal. It can be a short-term normal for a bit, but to go forward like this, which you're hearing some people talk here in Vegas, well, good luck for getting a lot of people coming back here. Yeah, like like to see a nightclub where you can't get within six feet of anybody and you have to wear a mask. That'd be a fun reality show to see. 
but you're not going to get a lot of people coming back here for Las Vegas. And they, they better think about this really hard. Um, in short term, yeah, safety stuff, okay. But you better put it in the mind of people. We're getting back to the way we used to be at some point pretty darn soon. And if they don't, they're going to hurt uh, financially for it uh, forever. Well, what do you think about, as a um, Las Vegas native, not just reopening, but people getting on planes from literally all over the world coming here. And so you would think, I mean, that's how pandemics spread. You're going to get uh, people who have socially distanced and who have been tested. And then you're going to get people who have completely ignored social distancing. And to me, that would be maybe one of the more concerning things is that Vegas is one of those places, you know, not unlike San Francisco, is that everyone from all over the world is constantly getting off a plane here. Yeah. And the short term, you're going to have to uh, to address that. But um, whether it's the next several months or the rest of the year, whatever, you accommodate that. But beyond this, this is the new talk here that this is just the way it's going to be here going forward. 2021, 2022, 2023. Kaput, there goes the appeal of Las Vegas if this is going to go long term. I'm not assuming this is going to be forever like this. And I think Las Vegas has got to assume, take a lead here. This is not the way it's forever going to be. It's going to be this way for a while, folks. And I don't think anything Vegas can do short term publicity wise is going to get people back here. Uh, listen, a lot of uh, you know elderly people like to come and play slot machines too. Sit in the sports books. You've seen the race books. <laughs> horse race books that are on these Las Vegas sports books. It's an AARP convention. Those people are going to come back certainly for a while, but eventually, I mean, there's no reason to, 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 you know, to, to uh, embrace this beyond 2020, 21, 22, 23. At some point you got to say, we're getting back to the way we used to be everything. Vegas is part of it. And uh, until they embrace that and let people think I can come back here at some point, people are just never going to come back because they want to come here to have fun. And uh, they'll understand the short-term safety stuff, but uh, don't make that a policy forever. Yeah, my cousin's a uh, Reno detective, and he said two types of people come to Reno. It's the elderly people from the Bay Area in their Cadillac, or it's the gangs from the Bay Area. So (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're talking about with the elderly crowd there. Yeah, they, boy, boy, you see that in the horse race side of the sports books and a lot of the um, you know, slot machine players, a lot of them are, you know, elderly. And I don't think they're coming back for a while anyway now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, so that's, that's another part of it. And the convention business too is, is hit as well. People like to come to Vegas, Reno for conventions. They're not going to do that for a while, but to make it for a while like that, not forever. And so they have to start thinking about down the road too. One more question for you. Um, you know, we're only going to have five rounds of an MLB draft. Major League Baseball was already going to kill about 40 teams in the minors. They're basically going to eliminate rookie ball teams, short season teams, which I think is an abomination. But what are things looking like with the aviators? Does anybody ever uh, talk about what's going on there and how they've been hit? Uh, not much that I've heard, Rick, uh, other than, you know, that level of minor leagues, the AAA will probably still uh, survive. Uh, we'll make it through this. Um but uh, you know that you know there's a little bit of buzz when the aviators open, but I, it hasn't been you know front burner uh, you know stuff here for a while. But that's uh, even you know the piece, the Pacific Coast League and some of the other AAA leagues. You know, at some point down the road, they're going to want to you know figure things out here, and it's not TV money for them. It's um, and I think uh, you know uh, 
that, that's a, a worry for all minor leagues in, in, in all sports. And MLB, by the way, remember back to the strike year of, of 81, they started the second half of the season in 